0: Hello nerds and welcome to another episode. In this one I once again talk about some of Pratchett's books. I've loved them since childhood and I almost have the entire Discworld series on my bookshelf. Have I read all of them? No, not yet, but I plan on doing so. There are just too many other books to read. Way too many. Anyway. Starting with Morris and his educated rodents. His name his name should have been Miaris. Lost opportunity, seriously. Anyway, Miaris M- Morris is a criminal. Kinda like Casbrecker, just with less emotional damage. And he's a cat. An independent cat who for some mysterious reason can talk. His rodents can also talk. The reason for that is, those rats lived right behind the university for wizards. Right there, where they threw away their magical trash. Well, a little bit of a nibble here and there and suddenly you have a bunch of talking rodents. It's really weird that Morris the cat can also talk, considering he didn't always live with the rats. Really weird. Better not think too much about it. Anyway, together with a child who can play the flute, they visit different cities. Their plan? Make money. How? Well, they make the people think that they have a rat problem. A plague. First, it's just a few rats. But soon the town is run over by them. You can't sip anywhere without seeing a rat. It's rat heaven. The rodents gnaw on walls and food, leave waste everywhere and show up in your bedroom at 1am. But not all is lost. For the boy with the flute arrives, with him a cat, who can definitely not speak. The florist is here to save the day. For he can make those rats dance and do whatever he wants. And thus the city is saved and money is earned. Maybe I should have just joined a theatre. Anyway, at some point the rats kind of get sick of having to gnaw on things and of pretending to be a plague, not really hygienic and immoral after all. After a long discussion. They agree to go to one last town, making money for the last time and then be on their way. Maybe buy a boat, create a red island, or anything like that. Well, the small town is named Bad Blinds, and they quickly come to realize this town already has a red problem. Not good for business. The food in this town keeps disappearing and the rat-catchers have quite solid evidence. That being rat-tails that look especially like shoelaces, but that's probably just a trick for the light or something like that. There's definitely nothing fishy going on. After looking around for a while, they meet their mayor's daughter. She has her head up in the clouds and believes that anything that happens is part of a big fairy tale. She believes that certain things have to happen, because they do so in stories. She's introduced to the talking rats and together they break into the rat catcher's hut and find out more things than they could have imagined. It was a really fun and short story, I loved Morris. Although he was a little grumpy, but I suppose all cats are like that. I love the friendship between him and the cats, or, well, the rivalry between some rats and the cat. All in all, just a quick and fun story to read. The next book is Soul Music. If you haven't read this one, you definitely should. It's one of the best Discworld novels, in my opinion. It's the story about a musician dreaming of fame and success. The harpist Mbwyselin from Lambidos, backwards Sodomal, is this particular musician and travels to the glorious city that is Angmorpork. A city where the river Ankh flows through that is thicker than a molasses. You can't even call it liquid anymore. And that is where this harpist wants to make money. However, for that he needs a musician's guild license, one he can't afford. He meets two other, also unlicensed musicians, a dwarf and a troll. Together they form a band and name it The Band with Rocks in It. After unfortunate circumstances, Imp's harp gets destroyed. So he gets a guitar from a peculiar shop. And there is something unusually weird about this guitar. It makes Imp into a great musician, but it sometimes seems like the music is possessing him. Anyway, in this book we also meet Death, one of my favorite characters. Death is sad over the death of his daughter and her husband. Death wants to forget and decides to leave the post to take a break. Now, being Death, it's kind of hard to take a break, especially if you're the only one. Luckily, Death had a granddaughter, Susan. She attends a boarding school and after her grandfather left, it's her time to shine, whether she wants to or not. Now, with deathly duties, She gets around and even goes to Elgmorpork, where our band has been trying to make their fortune. I seriously highly recommend this one. It was hilarious, with fun characters, and in general the story is just great. Read it. I'm no longer recommending books. I'm telling you to read them. Anyway, next one. Feet of Clay. Golems are made of clay. They have written instructions in their head to do certain things, like work in a factory, deliver this or anything like that. They don't harm humans, usually. That is, until the City Watch discovers murder after murder, apparently committed by a golem. At the same time, the patrician gets poisoned, supposedly. But there is no poison to be found, not in his food, his bed, his room, nowhere. Now the City Watch has to find the killer and protect the partition from being assassinated. Not a really easy thing to do. The City Watch consisting of Carrot, a human adopted by dwarves. He knows the book of rules by heart and follows them strictly. Sometimes he's a little oblivious, but he has a good heart. Cheery Littlebottom is a dwarf and she hates gold, beer and violence. Something very unusual for a dwarf. Like all dwarves though, she has a beard, making it easy for her to make others believe that she's male. Angua, a werewolf, is also part of the team. Doesn't let others tell her what to do and is an amazing female character. She left her parents, since the traditional werewolf style is eating inferior humans and that didn't agree with her. So she joined the City Watch. Vimes was 16 when he joined the Watch and under his command the Watch became a place with the most different species, like drawers, vampires and trolls employed. He is quite experienced and he even knows exactly where in the city he is just by feeling the cobblestone straight beneath his feet. Then there's also Knobby Knobs. He is ugly, quite short, smelly, untidy and since it is hard to tell whether or not he's a human being, he carries a certificate signed by the patrician to prove that he is indeed a human being. That was quite a short summary, but I can't say more without spoilers. Again, like most Pratchett's books, lots of fun to read. The next one is Masquerade, where an opera house is haunted. The story starts with Agnes Knitt, who wants to become an opera singer. And she has great potential, a great voice with an even greater vocal range. Agnes is chosen as a member of the chorus where she meets Christine. Christine is more popular, but she has less talent. The ghost haunting the opera house doesn't care about that and wants Christine to get the lead roles in several performances. To make that happen, the ghost starts to commit random acts of murder disguised as accidents. To make the ghost happy, Christine does get those leading roles, but Agnes is the one who sings. While that happens, there are also other characters playing a part. The witches Nanny Ogg and Granny Weatherwax. Nanny Oggs has written and published a cookbook, but was never paid for it. Upon finding that out, Weatherwax takes her to Agmorpork to get the money they were supposed to get a while ago. They also hope to get Agnes to join their coven, since a coven of only two witches is quite unusual. They both discover what's going on in the Opera House with those murders and decide to investigate. In disguise. I'm always here for old witches solving a murder. It can only be good. And it was fantastic. The last one for today is Lords and Ladies. The witches Margaret Garlic, Granny Weatherwax and Nanny Og just returned home to Lancre after one of their adventures. Shortly afterwards, a fight between Margaret and Weatherwax breaks out, prompting Margaret to leave for the castle, where his soon-to-be-husband, the king, resides. Upon arrival, it turns out, that the king has already made all the arrangements for the wedding, without consulting her, and now she has to learn how to be queen sooner than expected. She gets a little bored, but she later proves that it is more than possible to fight in a dress. I absolutely loved the part where, where she fights in her wedding dress. It was one of my favorite scenes. Meanwhile more and more crop circles appear. In the disc World, that does mean aliens, but it means elves. When crop circles appear the world gets more susceptible to incursions from the universe of elves. Elves are wonderful, marvellous, fantastic, but no one ever said that they were nice. Weatherwax and Nanny Og discover that a group of wannabe witches were dancing naked around the dancers the place where the elves could come through. If those girls can't be stopped, it will be no hard task for the elves to get to the human world and get them under their control. But not everyone is aware of the dancers and what might happen should one stay there for too long. And that may or may not have dire consequences. And that was it for this episode. I've now read almost all of the Discworld novels, but until then, I will continue to annoy you with those. If anyone is even listening. (laughs) Maybe I'm just talking to myself. Anyway, it's fun. Have a great day, and I hope the next book you read turns out to be amazing. Bye!